welcome into the Master of your number one source for giving everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and I am back. Don't worry. I was just... Last week, I was just so busy over that entire weekend. I was so out of the loop on basically everything other than the end of the Halo World Championships. I didn't feel confident enough sitting down and talking for an hour plus about any of it. So, uh... Yeah, um, rapid fire recap of what I would have talked about last week because it was very little. Holy shit, Liberty beat BYU. That was freaking awesome. And shocker, Optic are Halo World Champions. They were clearly the best team at the entire tournament. That that basically boils down the two points I had for what last week's episode would have been. Oh yeah, and people freaking out about the decision by uh, HCS and Esports Engine over the delays and the stalls and everything. It was a bad decision, but did it really freaking matter? Because Optic was going to win the whole damn thing. And they did. And I know the CDL's not doing it this year, but HCS Worlds was proof the bracket reset in a best of seven is a good idea. I know they're already switching to best of sevens, but they should have... The extra reward of coming out of winner's bracket is that you have to lose twice. It's the whole point of a double elimination style tournament. Because go back and look at HCS Worlds. Optic were definitely the better team in that series. But Cloud9 came out, punched him in the mouth. But still, the best team won. (laughs) Optic was the best team for the longest continued portion of the season. Like, basically, once they added Formal. Once they dropped Pistola and added Formal, they got significantly better. And then, you know, won two tournaments back-to-back. But that was a week ago now. It was a little over a week ago now, because it was last Sunday. But let's, uh... Let's dive right in and get into some football, starting first with the NFL. So, week eight has concluded. And um, it is abundantly clear the Cincinnati Bengals are not good when they play real teams. They are four and four. They're second in the division, but they're four and four with a an absolute fluke loss to the Steelers, because the Steelers are worse than them. That was just that was just bad luck, and Evan McPherson. Uh, trying to come for Justin Tucker's throne and failing. And uh, the the football god striking him down for his hubris. Uh, Lost to the Cowboys. Uh, Congratulations, you beat the Jets. Uh, Congratulations, you beat the Dolphins without Tua. Or mostly without Tua. They lost to the Ravens, who really tried to give them that game, but then, you know, Justin Tucker with the most perfect field goal imaginable uh made sure that didn't happen and then congratulations you beat the saints and the falcons then you got shit pumped by the browns who i will remind you are quarterbacked by jacoby Brissett. now the rest of the team actually has some talent but like the browns are the browns are three and five they're not exactly good they're better 
than the teams the Bengals have beat. It's not saying much. The four teams the Bengals have beat, as I just listed, are not very good. So I'm enjoying the fact that uh, Bengals fans thought they were hot, the, the hottest of shit last year. Because they basically won the division on the back. They won the AFC North on the backs of everyone else being injured to hell before the season even started. Like the Browns were the Browns were just a mess top to bottom. The Steelers were bad. And then the Ravens were injured to hell and back. Like they thought they were the hottest of shit because they beat the crap out of the whatever the heck the Ravens were last year when the secondary was mostly like janitors and mailmen. Like they were just grabbing random guys. It's like, Hey, have you ever played one of the four defensive back positions at any point in your entire life? Good. We need you. You're congratulations. You're a Raven. Like that was, that was the Ravens secondary core last year. And the running backs weren't much better. So they finally play a real Ravens team and the Ravens do what they've been doing all season and almost blow the game. Uh, they still couldn't get it done because uh, Neil before Justin Tucker. I mean, the Ravens went and destroyed my hype for destroyed my hope in them a week later. Cause they, you know, went and choked away another game. To the fucking Giants. But hey. Two wins in a row. First time all season. God, that's... That's a... That, that's a that's a wake-up call. The Ravens haven't had a two-game winning streak all season until... Right now. They, they are currently on a two-game winning streak. I mean, honestly... Their schedule gets significantly easier the rest of the way. <laughs> Because none of the teams in their remaining schedule are any good at all. And they effectively have a bye week this week. Because they went from Thursday, which I, I hate Thursday games as a concept. But on the other side, you usually get it back. Because now they're not playing the Saints until next Monday. So they already had a couple days to not worry about because they had already won, and now they don't play again till Monday, and then they get their bye week. And John Harbaugh does not lose coming off of bye weeks. And it's a home game against the Panthers right before Thanksgiving. Or is the 20th right before Thanksgiving, or is the 27th right before Thanksgiving? No, the 20th is right before Thanksgiving. 27th is after. But yeah, the the Ravens just to just to talk about my own team because that is a trend on this show. Their remaining schedule is Saints bye week week ten, home against the Panthers in Jacksonville. Uh, but Jacksonville's not exactly good. Uh, home against the Broncos, Pittsburgh and Cleveland back to back. That'll be kind of tough, but I doubt it because like sure the Browns will have Deshaun Watson back by then, but. The Ravens know how to beat him. It's not that hard. And the Ravens, other than, you know, Tyreek Hill, the Ravens like beating piece of shit human beings. So that should be a relatively easy win. 
home against the Falcons, home against the Steelers in Cincinnati. And honestly, given the state of the rest of the division, the Ravens will probably have the division locked up by that January 8th game against the Bengals. Just throwing that out there. Just just putting that out there because I 100% um, believe it to be true. And, oh yeah, uh, obviously, obviously, as a, uh, a Liberty fan, before I get to Liberty, because this is more of an NFL thing, uh, shout out to Malik Willis for uh, doing just enough to get the actually slightly incompetent, yet somehow still 5-2 and two Tennessee Titans to a win over the, the Houston Texans on Sunday. Only 10 passing attempts, and he, he threw an interception. But uh, Derrick Henry was doing Derrick Henry things, and the the Titans coaching staff, who I have been very public uh, of my with my opinions on that I that I don't like them because they're stuck in the past, and Mike Vrabel is just trying to be is is two things. He's trying to be the anti-John Harbaugh, because he is. Like, he's the opposite side of the coin that John Harbaugh is. And he's all the worst of Bill Belichick with none of the sustained success to back it up. He's all the worst of Bill Belichick with nothing to justify acting like a complete asshole. (laughs) And, of course, he's stuck in the past and is trying to turn poor man's Lamar Jackson, Malik Willis into a traditional pocket passer, which he is not. (laughs) Like, you draft this guy. Did you watch any of his film? The man is not a traditional pocket passer. Stop trying to make him one. (laughs) Like, you have a poor man's Lamar Jackson and a better running back than Lamar Jackson has ever had. And, like, I can say that. As much as I like Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins... And all the other running backs who have ever played for the Ravens, Derrick Henry is better than all of them. Like, you have a slightly diminished Lamar Jackson, but a better running back than he has ever had. Just copy the Ravens' offense! That's what I was convinced the Steelers were going to do. With their, when, they, when it got to their first round pick on draft night, I was... you People who have watched my, my draft stream will remember, and... The video's still up on my YouTube channel if you want to go watch it. Me watching the Steelers pick and just begging them not to take Malik Willis because I figured, oh yeah, they're just going to take him and copy the Ravens' offense. They they didn't. It took Kenny Pickett. He kind of sucks. And uh, I think that is uh, that is very amusing. Like Kenny Pickett has not been very good. Neither has uh, neither has Mitch Trubisky, which, again, as as a Steelers hater, I think is very funny. Like just an absolute hater of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think is I think is uh, I think is very funny. But for once, the NFL, the NFL trade deadline 
actually did something. Like, the Ravens traded for Raquan Smith, who they were probably just going to sign in the offseason anyway. So I'm glad we get another year of him because, I mean, the Ravens like their Ray Lewis comp linebackers. <laughs> like, you get a guy who's a little bit undersized for to play linebacker, but is also too big to play defensive back. And he just completely redefines how the position is played. You just, and the team he spent his entire career with just spends the rest of their existence just hoarding the linebackers who are even remotely comparable to him. It is our MO. It's like, oh, you have a linebacker who's vaguely similar to Ray Lewis? Cool, we'll take him. We didn't get Khalil Mack, which I'm a little disappointed in. But hey, we got Raquan Smith. So another Ray Lewis comp linebacker from the Bears. Cool. <laughs> another another Ray Lewis comp linebacker who got drafted and misused by the Chicago Bears. And, and speaking of the Bears, they uh, they did in fact trade also trade for Chase Claypool, which I think is really funny because. That man really thought, I remember his reactions in the 2020 season. That man really thought he was going to be Heinz Ward. Turns out, no, he's just another Antonio Brown. He's not as bad as Antonio Brown, but he's certainly uh, he's certainly on a Juju Smith-Schuster level of just being an absolute locker room cancer. So uh, have fun with him, Bears, and uh, congratulations, Steelers. Your offense just got even worse. And so did your defense because you traded for Will Jackson, who's not even that good. Oh, man. I love watching the Steelers collapse in front of my very eyes because, like, the Steelers being good and, like, being the Ravens' boogeyman was most of my childhood until the Ravens were able to start consistently beating them under under like the the best years of Joe Flacco, aka 2010 to 2012, essentially. <laughs> or 2009. I'll give him give him a little extra. Give him an extra year there. Like 2009 to uh yeah, 2014. 2014 was Joe's last good year. 2009 to 2014, like the peak years of Joe Flacco were uh were easily when like the Steelers were just not an issue anymore. It was still a big deal to beat them, but it was just, they were just a non-issue. Like division wins were pretty much guaranteed in that stretch because the Steelers weren't that great. And the Bengals and Browns were both terrible. So like the division just came down to the Ravens and Steelers every year and the Ravens would usually win. It was, that was a great stretch of time. And we won a Super Bowl in there. And uh, I don't think the Steelers did, which uh, even better. They went to one. They went to one in 09. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a good couple of years. And now it seems like it's getting back to that point where beating the Steelers is still a big deal just because like fuck, fuck the Steelers and fuck Pittsburgh. But I don't think the games will be as stressful. Because they picked the wrong quarterback, which I'm happy with because I didn't want 
I didn't want the best player in Liberty history to play for the Steelers. But yeah, that I'm I'm very excited for the next few years of the AFC North cuz I feel like it's going to be it's going to be mostly dominated by the Ravens. But we're at the midway point of the season and I just have to ask what the actual fuck is the NFC? Like all the division leader or like two of the division leaders are either 500 or just above it. And then like the NFC North is super top heavy led by the six and one Vikings that everyone else under 500. The NFC South is led by the Falcons who are only four and four. The Buccaneers are three and five. Tom Brady's had, I don't know if three is the longest losing streaker of his entire career or the longest in a very long time, but still that man does not normally lose three games in a row. They're three and five. I think this is the latest into the season. A Tom Brady led team has ever been under 500. A couple weeks ago was the first time was the first time that I think Brady and Rogers both lost on the same day or one of like the few times the two of them have lost on the same day. Like it's it's um I don't know what's going on in the NFC. Like the Super Bowl champion Rams are 3 and 4. That division's led by the Seahawks. And God only knows what the NFC East is. The Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants are all good. The Commanders are 500. Yet feel like they're absolute... Like, I think of them and I think they're absolute garbage. Oh, because all of their wins have been... All of their wins have been incredibly close. That's why. Their win against the Jags was a an absolute fluke. Then they rattled off four straight losses, most of which were blowouts or multi-score games. They somehow beat the Bears. They beat the Packers. The Packers are a mess. They beat the Colts. Like, I don't know what the heck is going on with the Commanders. They, they essentially play the Giants back-to-back with their bye week sandwiched in the middle coming in December. I, I don't understand the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles are 7-0 and and are the last undefeated team in the NFL. I don't know what the heck is going on in Philly. That the Eagles have a, are legit Super Bowl contenders. The Phillies are in the World Series. The Flyers are, you know, keeping their heads above water. They're not doing anything mind-blowing, but... Like they're five, two, and one. That's in striking distance of the division lead. They were in the division lead like a week ago. Like they're only they're only four points back. No, not even four. They're two points back of the Hurricanes. And they're only in fourth because there's two teams tied for second. Oh no, the, the Devils Devils have a tiebreaker. They have a they have a slightly better record. So they are they are firmly in second. 
six and three versus five, three and two for the, for the Rangers. And then the, the union are going to their first ever MLS cup, but the Sixers, the Sixers, nah, they got off to, I mean, they're finally getting their crap together and they're back to four and four, but they did not have a good start to the season. Hopefully, hopefully this, this little run of success will be them getting their shit together again. And remembering they are in fact good at basketball, even though they have absolutely no bench and no depth whatsoever. <laughs> Cause you couldn't keep Jimmy Butler. So you overpaid uh, Tobias Harris instead. So I don't know what the frick is going on in the city of Philadelphia at all. But yeah, it primarily boils down to what the frick is the NFC? The Eagles are the best team in football. The Vikings are six and one and the Falcons and the Falcons and the Seahawks are leading their respective divisions. What? How is this even remotely possible? And like, sure, the Packers are in second, but it's not, they're, they're falling behind the Vikings. I don't understand. I truly don't understand what is going on with really the entire NFL this year. But the, the NFC in particular is, is just an absolute mess. But that's what I got for the NFL. Up next, we'll uh, jump onto Summoner's Rift and talk some League of Legends. The world's finals are set. I was close. That's coming up next. You're on the mashup. Welcome back. Let's talk some League of Legends. So, Worlds is down to its final weekend. I was close. Kind of. Gen G kind of came out and punched Domlon in the face and uh, ruined ruined my whole the script is very obvious thing. And it's clear it's what Riot wanted. They they saw dollar signs. <laughs> But it's like, oh, hey, T1 versus Domwon, Faker versus Showmaker in the mid lane. Nope, they, they lost to Gen G in quarterfinals. They didn't even get to leave New York. <laughs> they didn't they didn't get to even go to Atlanta. They they did not get to leave New York. But that that T1 versus JDG series was so freaking good. Like, until game four. That was a super back and forth series. Like even the individual games were pretty close. And then game four happened and Faker was like, all right, it's time to remind, it's time to remind these guys who they're dealing with and went into like unkillable demon King mode. But he was, he was going all out. Like he was picking his best champs in every game. Like there was rise. There was a Zier. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he played some Syndra like not Syndra. Uh, what's that other one? Uh, Callista. Callista? Yeah, Callista. Like dude was playing dude was playing his signature champions like exclusively in that series. And can't say I blame him. He's the best player of all time and they're his best characters. Like watching 
watching Faker play with like his his truly best characters, like play Rise or play he's really good in Aurelia too. Like just play his his best characters. Cause he's good on everyone. He's Faker. But when he gets his hands on someone like he's known for, it's over. And then that that DRX Gen G series, I don't know what the frick happened to Gen G. They were supposed to be Korea's best. They already beaten Damwon, who was my pick to, you know, face T1 in the finals. And they just kind of rolled over and uh, and let DRX beat them. Because the Sunday series, the the DRX Gen G series was not as close. Also, what? I'm not used to 8 p.m. God, that's wonderful. That's that's wonderful. 8 o'clock. Not 4 in the morning. It's so nice having the world's finals in primetime, not ass o'clock in the morning. Like they've been for the past entire time I've been watching League Esports. But yeah, this was this was two really good series. I'm I and I'm I'm glad it's the teams we got. Cause I I figured T1 Gen G was gonna be the thing. Like once I saw the Gen G beat Dom one. But I'll I'll take T1 DRX. Like you got the best player of all time and the Korean fourth seed, who some people, myself included, thought they might not even make it out of play-ins. And then they, then they, yeah, they absolutely steamrolled play-ins. I thought like, there's a chance DRX doesn't get out of play-ins. Then they freaking steamrolled it five and oh. And then, uh, and then, you know, everything else happened. And now they're going to San Francisco. They're, Gonna be in the finals against T1, and it's it's back to the old days, Korea versus Korea in the finals. And I love that I can call it the old days for a competition that has only existed for eleven years. <laughs> the first Worlds was in twenty eleven, and for most of its history, the finals have been Korea versus Korea. And we are back to that. I think it's... Has there... I mean, there's been a Korean team in the final the past couple of years. Because Damwon went last year and they lost. They won in 2020. But is this the first time since 2016 it's been two Korean teams in the finals? No, 2017. Because it was the Legends Never Die year, which was 2017, that... uh. God, oddly fitting song. Oddly fitting song for, for 2017. Like how, how 2017 world shook out. That's weird. That That's a weird... That's like a weird thing. And then Rise, like... Rise is a banger, but it like barely fit 2018. Well, actually, Rise was pretty generic. Could have Could have fit anybody. No, Rise fit 2018 too. And Phoenix fit 2019. 
Not in a way we necessarily expected, but Phoenix Fit 2019. Because, you know, the team called Fun Plus Phoenix won the damn thing. And, like, it's weird how well the world's themes fit. Taking over. 2020. Dom won. Like, Showmaker is taking over for Faker. That's what we thought in the moment. Clearly, that has not been the case since 2020. And then last year, burn it all down. Mm, didn't really stick. And then this year, Star Walking's just a bad song. <laughs> I don't like Star Walking. I've said it on this show before. Other than the chorus, which is the only part of the song they play, and in the inner in the commercials, they just play the other much better world songs from the past few years. Uh, I hope they never do this again, because little because. This isn't a music show, but I will say it again. Little Nas X does not write good songs. He writes good hooks. Like, that's it. The man writes good hooks. I will give him that. And it's like... Like, the the bridge into the chorus of Star Walking is good. The rest of the song sucks. There's no drop. It's supposed to be, like, a hype song. There's no drop. But, of course, he's gonna... He's gonna be singing it live on stage at Worlds this weekend on uh, on Saturday. Probably around 7.15-ish on Saturday. He's he's going to sing Star Walking. And the crowd's going to pretend to be into it, even though it's not a good song. And he's going to be... He's going to be auto-tuned to fucking hell because he's not actually a good singer. Ugh, not looking forward to that. Anyway, I am, I am looking forward to this series because I think... If the DRX that showed up in this Gen G series, and honestly the DRX that beat EEG shows up, like if this version of DRX travels to San Francisco, not the version of DRX that finished fourth in Korea and just could not beat Gen G to save their life in the LCK all year. Like the comment the casters were saying that. They haven't beaten DRX DRX hasn't won a series against Gen G all season. Not just in summer, back in spring too. So I really hope because T1 got, in my opinion, T1 got kind of screwed at at MSI. Cause like RNG weren't playing in the venue and like they were playing on artificially heightened ping. MSI was bullshit. I've said it on this show before. I did not like the decisions made around MSI this year. Like Riot still being afraid of COVID is, is peak bullshit, but that's, that's an entirely different discussion. I am really hyped for this series though, but hopefully like the crowd in Atlanta was awesome. The crowd in Atlanta was fucking awesome this weekend. So hopefully like it's clear that esports organizers, like the people who pick the host cities, are starting to see the value in North Carolina. Because in the space of essentially 15 months, or 14 months, because it's December to December to February. In the space of 14 months, North Carolina is hosting three major events. The 2022, the 2021-22 season HCS kickoff major, 
The 2023 season HCS kickoff major coming in February is in Charlotte. First one was in Raleigh. And this December, right before Christmas, almost like the exact same weekend as the Halo kickoff major was, and so, like a year apart, like exactly to the day, you have HCS kickoff major, the first HCS major in the Halo Infinite era was the weekend before Christmas in Raleigh, North Carolina. A year later, the first major in the two-year Modern Warfare 2 era of the CDL will also be in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then, two months after that, the Season 2 kickoff major for the HCS is in Charlotte. So clearly, esports tournament organizers are starting to see the value in North Carolina. Which I get, like, I've I've never been to either of these cities, but I've heard stories about how great both Raleigh and Charlotte are. I, I want to go to both events. Uh, I want to go to both events so bad, but, like, I'm going to have to pick one, and even that's pushing it. Hey, um, Dot, uh, Dexerto, Barstool, any other esports media outlet, um... I understand League, I understand Halo, I understand COD. Uh, if you if you would like someone to go cover both the Raleigh Major and the, the Charlotte Major for Halo and, you know, every every other event on uh on both the HCS and and CDL calendars at a uh, at a reasonable price, um you you know where to find me shameless self-promotion out of the way like my actual point is hopefully esports tournament organizers start to see the value of going beyond california dallas chicago and new york and like i i don't i don't want them to drop vegas because i want an excuse to go to vegas and even then, it doesn't really feel like a lot of events have happened in Vegas recently. At least in the games I follow. So, you know, like, maybe maybe if you want to do West Coast, maybe do, uh, maybe do Vegas instead. And, uh, you know, keep, like, obviously keep doing LA, Dallas, and New York, and Chicago. Because they do well, like. I'm not denying that Esports Arena Arlington is an awesome venue and I want to go there to see an event. But I also know as a 100 Thieves fan, that's not the best idea because that place is literally directly owned by Optic. That is their home venue. And as a 100 Thieves fan, walking directly into the green wall, uh, who knows how that's going to go. But I hope... because. Because everyone talks about uh, Miami being an absolute disaster for a league event. But, like, look at a map. Miami... Miami is, I'm pretty sure, like, at the very southern tip of Florida. Yeah, more or less. Like, it's not the exact southern tip. That's, uh... That's just the Everglades. <laughs> And a highway that leads into the Keys. 
more specifically Key Largo. But like, like Homestead is only big. It's it's essentially the southernmost, the southernmost city in Florida outside of Florida City, which doesn't, which honestly, <laughs> I zoomed in and the first thing that pops up is a freaking Cracker Barrel. <laughs> okay, that's funny. But like, yeah, Miami is the southernmost major city in Florida. Like it's on 95, but anyone, like if you live north of Orlando, like even if you live on the East Coast, if you live north of Orlando, Miami would take, Miami is just an unreasonable drive. Miami is a straight up unreasonable drive if you are from anywhere north of Orlando. Which is, you know, most of the population of the US that lives on the East Coast. Because north of Atlanta, north of Orlando includes Atlanta, Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Washington, DC, Baltimore, Maryland, Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. You know, every major city on the East Coast. And Chicago, like, you would have to fly. You would have to fly Chicago to Miami. And L.A. to Miami would be just, like, insanely expensive. So Miami is an anomaly. Miami is a hard city to get to. Because, let's see. Uh, let's see. How how often does New York have have flights to Miami every day? I know I'm getting getting slightly off topic here, but I wanna I wanna check something. New York to Miami, Florida by plane. It's uh yeah, it has a has a decent amount of flights per day. But it's also, you know, biggest city in the country flying to a vacation. Oh, Yeah, they have they have some decent flights out of there. But they're all they're all at really random times. <laughs> they're all at really terrible times that I would not want to go to a New York airport. So Miami's a pain in the butt to get to. Atlanta isn't. Atlanta's a hub city. Like it's it's the hub city of I think it's the hub city of two different interstates. It's the hub city of both 85 and 75. Yeah, two different interstates merge in Atlanta and then split and then keep going south. Actually, no, eight, 85 stops in Atlanta. Oh, no, 85 goes the other way. 85 keeps going west. But yeah, two different interstates, two different north-south interstates and an east-west interstate all meet in Atlanta. Three different major highways are connected to this city. And it's like one of the major airport hub cities in the country. It's like the south's major airport hub along with along with Charlotte. Like, it's an easy city to get to compared to Miami. So using Miami is a bad example. Atlanta is a much better indicator of how much the South likes esports. Honestly, put put an event in Nashville. It's 
it's the one city in Tennessee that I want. It's the one like touristy city in Tennessee that I've never been to that I really want to go to. It's the one really dirt, like put an event in Nashville. That would be so cool. It, w- it would obviously have to be a more NA centric event because international flights to Nashville uh, would probably not be, would not be easy. Because like, that's the thing with the men's national soccer team, like international flights to Columbus and Cincinnati are not super easy to come by. So I think, and Nashville is basically in the same part of the country. Like it, it's Southeast versus Midwest, but like they're pretty close to each other in terms of like the grand scheme of things. So like put, put in, put like an NA centric, like an NA centric esports event in Nashville. Cause I, I want to go. I want to have a reason to go to Nashville other than just wanting to go to Nashville. Same, same with Vegas. Like I want to go to both cities, but I want to have a reason to go there. Other than just, you know, going there. But actual prediction. My heart wants to give it to T1. But like. DRX are the epitome of hungry dogs run faster right now. So, I don't know. I Now, I got to give it to T1. I know Faker wants to win one more before he, he rides off into the sunset and, you know, cements his legacy as the best player ever even more. Yeah, I, I got to go T1, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say five games. I'm I'm gonna say T one and five because I don't think I think it's been a while since we've had a a world's final go the distance. I'm checking I'm checking Legopedia right now. Watch because I didn't watch last year's final because I didn't really want to. Um, oh, last year's final went five. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, last year's final went five, but I don't really, like, I ignore the 2021 World Championship because it was, it was unnecessarily fanless. Like, 2020 went four, 2019 was a sweep. Yeah, 2019, 3-0 sweep for FPX over G2. 2018 was also a 3-0 sweep. So the last time, 2017, was that, 2017 was 3-0, 2016, 2016 was 5. So the last time a real world's final with fans in a proper venue, not just some fucking soundstage in Reykjavik, went the distance was SKT over Samsung Galaxy in 2016. Which was also, oddly enough, in the U.S. Yeah, Cloud9 finished top eight there. Oh, was this? No, this wasn't the Kaboom year. 
I thought I thought that might have been the Kaboom year. I think 2015 was the Kaboom year. No, wasn't 2015 either. Damn, how long ago was that? How long ago was the Kaboom thing? Oh, wow. Kaboom was 2014. Yeah, the, the this is for Kaboom thing was 2014. That's nuts. Like, that's still a league meme, and it happened eight years ago. But yeah, the, the last time a, a true World's Finals, because last year doesn't count, went, went the distance was five years ago. So I think, I think in its return to the U.S., its return to the West Coast for World's Finals, I think we're going five, but I think T1 wins. We're absolutely going to be scraping some silver, but but T1 takes the win. But that's what I got for Worlds. Up next, we'll uh, get into some college football. It's coming up next here on The Mashup. I had to do it. I had to. I had to do it. I had to do it. I had no choice. But uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. The Liberty Flames are ranked. And they are the only ranked team in Virginia. As it should be. JMU never deserved to be ranked. I will die on that hill. JMU truly never deserved to be ranked. They weren't that good. Actually, now, in the moment, I said they earned their spot, and then they started losing because they got real cocky. They they went from, they went from give us a playoff waiver to, wow, you guys are celebrating beating a transitional team. That's so sad. On a dime. And it was fucking funny. My God. God, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, they're only ranked number 23. But when you're an FBS independent who has only been a full member of the FCS level for four seasons, 2019 to now, you take what you can get. And I am a fan. Make sure. They might lose this week. They're 13 and a half point dogs to Arkansas, which I think is a joke. Because Arkansas has proven to to not be that great. Like, honestly, take Liberty plus the points. Even if they don't win outright, they will probably still win this game. They will probably still cover that spread. Because, um, oh, would you look at that? They beat BYU by the same score Liberty did. And, like, sure, Auburn's terrible. 
They lost to Mississippi State. They lost to A&M. They had a scare against Missouri State. This is not the resume of an incredible team. Like, they're 5-3. and three. I know they're 5-3 and three in the SEC versus 5-3 and three against whatever the heck you call Liberty's schedule. A weird mix of, like, the Sun Belt, the ACC, the MAC, and other FBS independents. Because there's two of them. Like, I'm I'm not sure what to call Liberty's schedule, because like half the teams on here are members of the Sun Belt. <laughs> or at least will be. Which I think is very funny that Liberty just consistently kicks the crap out of the members of the conference that denied us for so long. And uh now is going to uh them and the American are gonna be mid at best. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, yeah, Liberty's going to CUSA, but there is an unspoken agreement among Liberty fans knowing CUSA is not the end game. None of us have, I've said it out loud a couple times, like just off the record. You could probably figure it out based on the way I'm talking, but I don't want to put it on the record yet. I don't think I've said it on my Twitter other than like jokingly uh, two seasons ago. So if, if you've been following me long enough, you can figure out through context clues what I'm talking about. I just don't want to put it on the record right now. I don't want to put it officially on the record, at least with my 2022 brain. I don't want to put it out there just yet. But based on the vibe I get from the fan base on Twitter when I say stuff like this, we all know what the goal is. And I'm I'm heavily implying what it is. I just don't want to say those letters. Let's just say, like, joining the American would have been nice. But we know what the end game is. It's similar. Similar, uh, similar arrangement of letters, just, uh, different amount. You know, maybe, maybe not as many A's. But still, still the same two letters in some combination that makes a three-letter acronym. I didn't actually say it. I implied it. <laughs> Made it very clear what I was talking about. But I did not actually say it. But, yeah, it was... It's been it's been a great two weeks as a Liberty football fan because we got the biggest win in school history a week ago. You know, the the absolute the absolute biggest win in the history of the program that like Liberty has made it abundantly clear, like with the pregame the pregame video package and everything. Making it very clear what this game meant. What what this game would have meant to the founder were he still here. And like his son, the other one, Jonathan, not, not Jerry Jr. Not Jerry Jr. We do not acknowledge him on this podcast outside of me just saying his name. 
he is he is gone. He he no longer has any connection to Liberty in my mind and uh, in a legal sense. His brother, his brother Jonathan, who is much more like his father, at least uh, in my mind, um, said uh, so, said on Twitter. Someone asked him, uh, "What would your dad say if he was here to see this?" And it's like. Such a great quote. He already did. He saw it 50 years ago. And it's like, that's that's so perfect because people thought the guy was nuts back in like the mid 70s when he was saying, oh yeah, we're, we're going to be on the same level as Notre Dame one day. And here in 2022, uh, Liberty has a significantly better record than Notre Dame and has a chance to go to a better bowl game than them really a bowl game period because um do they oh, they're five and three they probably they're five and three and they will win at least one of their next four games they'll, they'll win at least one of their november games guaranteed they're not beating clemson but they could beat the naval academy they could beat boston college they could beat usc they, they could beat one of the three of them i think they are capable of that much but yeah, like sitting here on November 1st, 2022, Notre Dame is five and three. Liberty is seven and one. And they are quite li- literally on the same level as they are both FBS independents. Like from an on paper standpoint, they are on the same level. Obviously, they don't have the same history. Notre Dame was old when Liberty opened its first, when when Liberty first opened its doors when it was still Lynchburg Baptist College, but they are effectively on the same level for all intents and purposes. They're they're on the same level, which is amazing, and like the celebration after the fact. I was like, dude do we really need to storm the field after beating a team that's, that's four and three when we're, when we're six and one, but like in the moment now, it was as much trash talk as BYU was doing coming into the game, like acting like they were so much better. They were six point favorites, which again, like never, Never bet against Liberty as a home dog because they will probably win outright by multiple scores. You know, they they won by 27. Like 41-14 is is uh is not a scoreline to sneeze at. Actually, that's that's a better score differential than what Arkansas did. I did the math wrong. Arkansas was only 17, which again is, is a three score game. 27, 17 is two touchdowns and a field goal. 27 is four touchdowns. That's a big difference. Like it's, it's two score. It's, it's three score game versus four score game, but 17, 27, that's a, that's a big difference in terms of football because two touchdowns field goal as opposed to four touchdowns. Big difference. But let's talk about, let's talk about the, the larger 
the larger college football sphere the, uh, this past this past weekend. I am looking at FBS Independence. That will tell me nothing. Because uh, Liberty didn't play this week and none of the other teams at the Independent on the Independent circuit, if you want to call it that, to borrow a wrestling term, uh, really did anything all that interesting this weekend. Uh, as far as the top 25 goes, um, how Ohio State is still number two over Michigan, I'm not sure. Like, I'm glad Michigan, or not two, three. Like, Tennessee is finally in the top two where they belong. Honestly, they should be number one because I think uh, I think they have a better win than Georgia does. Yeah, they absolutely have a better win than Georgia does. But that'll be solved on Saturday. So, like, whoever wins Saturday, because one, when one and two play each other, it's, it's kind of a big deal. I hate that that's a 3.30 game. I hate that that's a 3.30 CBS game. Because I don't really, I don't really like the CBS commentary duo. I, I think they need replacing. Uh, preferably with like, Ian, no. Ian, Ian can keep doing football. Noah Eagle. <laughs> he would be doing football. NFL. Like, put, put maybe, maybe Noah Eagle on the CBS game when it, when it switches over to the big 10 next year. Cause, uh, put like Noah Eagle and I don't even know who you'd get him for a color commentator, but somebody else. Cause ever since Vern Lundquist retired, that CBS booth has not been as good. And like, it's hard to be the guy to follow Vern Lundquist, but CBS could have done a better job. But yeah, that game, a lot hinges on that game. Because <laughs> that game determines who's going to be number one next week and presumably for the rest of the season. And that also determines who wins the SEC East. Like, sure, they still have a couple games left. But really... Tennessee, Tennessee's remaining schedule after Georgia is Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. And Georgia's remaining schedule is Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech. That's not a threat to the defending national champions. The only threat is Tennessee. Like, the only threat is Tennessee. So, this is a huge game. And that also rolls right into, like... Doesn't that also roll right into, like, one of the big... No, it doesn't roll, it doesn't roll into one of the big, big, uh, big Ten games. No, it just rolls into another big SEC game. It rolls into, uh... It rolls into Bama LSU, which more or less determines who wins the West. Like the thing with the West, Old Miss is still Old Miss is still in the mix. Like they are technically ahead of Bama cuz they have they've played one more game. So they have an extra win. 
But like Bama LSU basically determines who wins the West and meets the winner of Georgia Tennessee in Atlanta. Because again, I don't think Arkansas UAB A and M that's LSU's. They're not losing any of those games. Uh, they play Bama next week. Uh oh, Ole Miss is on their bye, and they play Bama next week, and then they play Arkansas Mississippi State. It's yeah. Only team I really see them losing to in that bunch is Bama. And Mississippi State's still a rivalry game, so you never know. And then Bama's remaining schedule is Austin P and Auburn. I would love it if Auburn won that game. Like, they're just god-awful. They're, they're terrible this year. And they go in and they still win the Iron Bowl and just deprive deprive Bama of winning the SEC West and they give it to LSU and like by default they give it to LSU even though now if Bama wins over LSU and then they both ah dang they would still be tied and then Bama would have the tiebreaker because they beat LSU so LSU needs to win this weekend (laughs) Either LSU needs to win or uh, Ole Miss needs to win next week. Preferably both, just to take just to take that possibility completely out of the question. I don't want Bama going to another SEC championship and getting into the playoff because they finished second in the SEC. That would be the worst case scenario for this season because it's been a really good season. I don't want that. I think, uh, and then when is, when is the Michigan Ohio state game? That is, that's, uh, that's Thanksgiving weekend. That's yeah. That's two days after Thanksgiving. That's the, Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's two days after Thanksgiving. So that's, that's still a couple weeks away. Cause I think, uh, I think two of these games this weekend have an insane bearing on who goes to the playoff. And so does that game in about three weeks. Like that game has huge bearing on who's going to the playoff. Cause I think whoever wins that game, a goes to the big 10 championship. Cause those two teams are in the same division. They used to not be. Yeah, they're in the same division. So whoever wins that game goes to the Big Ten Championship. And then, assuming they win, because the Big Ten West is... The best team in the Big Ten West is Illinois. I don't see them beating Michigan or Ohio State. So, like, yeah, winner of that Michigan-Ohio State game, probably guaranteed to go to the playoff unless some disaster happens in the Big Ten Championship game. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an insane stretch run of the season. Because, <laughs> like, the Big Five don't really have threats remaining on their schedules other than each other. And then Clemson's just kind of cruising along as the number five team in the country with 
exactly zero threats on their remaining schedule. <laughs> Notre Dame, Louisville. Louisville did just have a good game where they kicked the crap out of Wake. Made them drop 10 spots in the polls. Like, the Louisville football team forced more turnovers than the basketball team did against a Division II team a day later. Like, that's that's a hilarious college basketball storyline that, that Louisville, Louisville, a prominent basketball school, lost to Lenore Rhine at home in a game that barely counts for anything. Actually, it doesn't. I, I think that was technically a scrimmage. And yet, they they couldn't manage... They couldn't manage as many turnovers as... Uh, as um, the, foot, the, uh, the football team did. Which is sad, because... It's a lot easier to force turnovers in basketball. Uh, yeah, they're they're zero and zero. They they don't have a uh, a record yet. So that that was a scrimmage, where they they lost to a Division two team, and the football team forced more turnovers than they did, which is insane. But. Yeah, this is this is gonna be an interesting stretch run of the uh, of the regular season. Maybe maybe Louisville could beat Clemson, but I I don't really see anyone else pulling it off. Like if the Louisville that just beat Wake shows up against Clemson, maybe. But that's that's like it. That's the only that's the only one I could possibly imagine. But what do you guys think? What do you guys think about uh, the insanity that has been college football this year? Let me know on Twitter, in the Discord. Links in the show description, as always. But uh, up next, we'll get into a little bit of preseason COD discussion. Uh, it's coming up next here on The Mashup. All right, let's talk some COD. Game just dropped, and people are mostly loving it, other than... Other than the Warzone bitches who forgot real COD multiplayer is infinitely more fun. Yeah, I'm not holding back with the Warzone hatred anymore. I don't give a crap. Like, I despise Warzone. I'm not going to play a second of Warzone 2 when it comes out. I just I just want it to fucking die. I, I, I want Warzone and the entire Battle Royale genre to die a slow, painful death. Like, Joffrey Baratheon levels of slow and painful. I'm sick of people pretending it's fun because a few streamers said it is. It's not. It's not fun. Real multiplayer is infinitely superior in every way, and I'm tired of devs investing more in shitty BRs than their real multiplayer. The real multiplayer is so much better in every way. And COD multiplayer hasn't even been that good the past couple years. And it's still better than Warzone. Warzone only blew up because it came out at exactly the right time. It came out the first week of March in 2020. That is a golden opportunity for a free-to-play game. 
And that's why people still like it, because they are blinded by somehow nostalgia for one of the worst periods in living memory. The f- which is spring of 2020. <laughs> like, why would you want... Why would you want to play a game that that came out then? I, I don't get it, but that's another discussion that ties into this. So apparently, <laughs> Call of Duty fucked up big time and did not get proper licensing for a grand total of four maps in a game that only launched with 10 6v6 maps. They had to pull one after the beta because it was clearly based on the Getty Museum and they didn't like that. And also California law is fucking stupid. Like California law prohibits depicting violence in public places, which is is really fucking dumb. Like, what? Why? That's, that's the most California thing I've ever heard. Like, New York clearly didn't give a crap because the opening level of Modern Warfare 3 is New York. And you slip and you swim through the collapsed Brooklyn tunnel. Like you, you fight your way through the city, you swim through the collapsed Brooklyn tunnel and then destroy a fleet of Russian warships in New York Harbor. Like New York did not care. But of course, California does. So they had to, Yank Valderas Museum because it's based on the Getty Museum and they got pissed and California law is stupid. But now Crown Raceway ho- uh, Brandenburg Hotel and um, the third one. What was the third one? It, it might have just been three. Let me let me uh let me try to find let me try to find it. Because I saw it last night. It was What was the other map? Okay, so it was just three. It was it was Crown Raceway. Brandenburg Hotel and Valderas Museum. So it's just three. It wasn't four of them. But still. How did you not think that through Infinity Ward? And on top of that, you had High Rise and Terminal right there. High Rise and Terminal were sitting right there, but no, you had to give them to the fucking Warzone players first. Who don't even appreciate what those maps are and were. Oh my God. Two of the best maps you've ever made. Actually, no, the two best maps you've ever made. 
and you know you're going to put them in the game eventually because there's the whole year two DLC that like part of year two, part of 2024 is they said, oh yeah, we're going to put every MW2 launch map, like 2009 MW2 launch map into Modern Warfare 22. Just put High Rise and Terminal in the game from the start. They're the two best maps you've ever made because the only the only COD maps that contend with being that good are Raid and Firing Range. Treyarch maps. That's it. Like, top five COD maps of all time, in no particular order. High-rise terminal, firing range, raid, dome. My my probably my my actual ranking would probably be firing range, terminal, high-rise, raid, dome. Is probably my actual top five, but yeah. Only one other Infinity Ward map is in the top five. And it's number five. And High Rise and Terminal are two and three. So, why not just put them in the game? Why have to, why have to hide them behind the Warzone wall? And I know Warzone's free. I don't give a shit. I want it in real multiplayer. They're, they're the best maps you've ever made. Dome is the only contender for that title in terms of Infinity Ward maps. The other ones who are up there are all Treyarch. So just put them in the freaking game from the beginning. Don't make us wait. Don't make us play Warzone to see High Rise and Terminal. I want the real High Rise and I want the real Terminal in 66 multiplayer. It's very simple. Oh, God, that was a rant and a half, but I I had to get it out there because I'm tired of dancing around the fact that I hate Warzone. Like I've I've said it before, but like I've never I don't feel like I've made it truly clear how much I hate Warzone and Battle Royales on this show. Like the Halo, the Halo, the discussion of the Halo version of it, of like a Halo BR has definitely brought it out of me a little bit, but like. Terminal and High Rise not being launch maps and them just being buried in Warzone instead of actually coming out. Now, if they get added with Season 1, my hatred will cool a little bit, but they should have been launch maps. Like, I know you don't want to over-rely on nostalgia like you did in Modern Warfare 2019 and Treyarch did in Cold War, because all the good Cold War maps were just BO2 maps. (laughs) Like, every single good Cold War map was a Black Ops 2 map. It was Raid, Hijacked, Rush, Express, Standoff. These were all Black Ops 2 maps. APOC was the only good original map in Cold War. There was only one. And even the remakes, even the remake maps in Modern Warfare 2019 sucked. Crash, Hard Hat. They were all pretty terrible. But let's let's talk about the the biggest CDL story, obviously. Skump is retiring after this season. 
And the video, the video announcing it was incredible. Like him going through his entire career, starting with like playing Halo 2 on his original Xbox, on his crappy CRT. Like we've all been there. Because everyone who plays COD has probably also, has more than likely at one point in their life or another played Halo. Like the two went hand in hand. Halo 3 and OG Modern Warfare came out in the same year. And Halo 3 was still alive and kicking when Modern Warfare 2 came out. So, like, we've all played both. Or, like, 85% of us, at the very least, have definitely played both. And then, like, going through his early career, and then his later career, and then the the optic major at the beginning of last season and then him announcing his retirement like like that this year is his last ride we we all should have seen it coming cuz there was that sit down video of him with hacks just doing a retrospective on his entire career which he's about the same age as me so he probably started playing when he was like 16 17 so this is over 10 years like let's say let's let's find his uh here it is Cody Sports Wiki. Let's see. Let's see his entire career. Uh, 2017 World Champion, X Games Gold Medalist. Yeah, Team Obey, January 11th, 2011. That was his first team. So he was. Uh, good God, he was 15. He hadn't even turned 16 yet. He joined. He joined Optic at the end of 2011. So he was 16. And and now he's 27. So yeah. A a full 11 year career. It's gonna get to 12 by the time he's done, because the season's gonna end in 2023. So yeah, like an impressive career. Also, very funny entry on his team history. Team Envy. January 2014 to January 2014. He was uh, he was a member of Envy for less than two weeks. <laughs> he was a member of Envy for 13 days. Let's see, where... Uh, where the heck is it? Oh, wait, it was in, it was in 2014. Uh, January 7th. Scumpy, he was still, he was still Scumpy, joins Team Envy, and then he, he dropped the, he dropped the two eyes. 13 days later, January 20th, Scump leaves, Optic, January 20th, Scump rejoins, and he's essentially been with Optic ever since, because, let's be honest, the, the Chicago Huntsmen were, were the real were the real uh, optic because the, they had Hector Scump and Formal like your optic, <laughs> and you had Envoy like wasn't wasn't Envoy part of uh... yeah Envoy oh no he he joined uh, he joined with the Huntsman he was also like on a bunch of like like that was his first big break honestly. But yeah, you had you had Scump, Formal, and Hector running things. Like, they may have been NRG and they were the Chicago Huntsmen, but that team was Optic. So essentially, the man has been part of Optic for, uh, 
I just closed it. God dang it. Let's go to Envoy and then click the back button. The man has been part of Optic. Because if you fold Huntsman into being part of Optic, the man has been part of Optic for uh, almost nine years. So, um, yeah. Like, come January. January 20th, to be exact. He will have been part of Optic for nine years. And, yeah, I get why he's retiring. Obviously, he had, like, he had that whole uh, emotional sit-down with Hex. And the day before he posted the I'm retiring video, him and his girlfriend got engaged, which congrats to them, obviously. They're they're super cute together. They're, they're like, ultimate nerd couple goals because she's super supportive of him. But I'm... I'm curious to see what his post career looks like. I feel like it probably looks very similar to Nate shots other than starting his own org. Like other than starting his own org, his post career is going to be very similar to Nate shots. Like, I think he's going to, I think he's going to become a, a third partner in optic with uh, Hector and Hastro. And, I can only imagine where they're going to go from there. Like that, that's my prediction for the, the post career of, of Scup is a very similar trajectory to Nate shot. He just doesn't leave optic. Like that's the only difference. He doesn't leave optic and do his own thing. He, he becomes a co-owner of optic, which if Nate shot stuck around, he, he absolutely would be by now. Like it would probably be him and Hector. Instead of um, Hector and Hastro, like the Envy merger would not have happened. That, that's a weird timeline to think about. I might, I might try to do a uh, do like a what if video for that. That'd be uh, that'd be an interesting scenario to uh, try to break down. But that is that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other rabbit hole that would take a lot of research because I w- would want to do it right. So maybe keep an eye out for that on my YouTube channel if I uh, if I get some friends to help me make it. But uh, that's what I got for the show this week. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And I hope you all enjoyed your Halloween. And uh, let the countdown to Thanksgiving begin. See you guys next time. <laughs>